Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm James Sharp and is with me is my colleague Jordan Blackwell where we will discuss quite a few things in the world of Leicester City, uh, not to mention the defeat at Crystal Palace, uh, the performance there, the refereeing decisions, the boos, um, the travel disruption that Leicester City have been through and then we'll move on to Claude Powell's press conference that he had um, he had today and then look at the rather big uh, task that Leicester City have of beating Man City for a place in the Carabao Cup um, semi-final. So, John, we'll start off with the Palace defeat, and I know you were away on holiday, so I haven't, weren't at the game for once. Um, but from what you've gathered and from what you've gleaned um, and from what you've heard, is it something that needs to be a concern for Leicester that, they've suffered a defeat to a team like Crystal Palace after they've had such a good run or can we see this as being a bit of a blip or is there other things at work here? I think we have to consider it to be an off day for the time being until there's a a, a run of, of underperformances and I think that's that's what it was. It, it was um mm. it was a bad performance. It was certainly the uh the worst under Powell and possibly the worst of the season. But I yeah. think until we get a a string of performances like that, I don't think there's anything to be too concerned about, particularly considering the Southampton performance only a few days earlier, which was probably the best of the season. Yeah, I think that was probably the most concern or frustrating thing for Leicester fans because we'd seen all of the four games Leicester playing so well, and that win at Southampton was arguably the best performance of the season. And then three days later, they turn out a bit of dross, really, which is even which is the worst. And after the Southampton game, people have been dreaming about looking at the table, looking at Europe, think, looking at four places off the Champions League spots, and then they get the performance, which is so poor, which I probably think is why the fans are so frustrated and which um, led some of them potentially uh, to to boo the team. Um, I know I've written about it this week, and there's been quite a lot of people on social media saying, telling me to warm my neck in, and, <laughs> and say that they pay their money so they can do what they want, and that is true, that is fine. And like I said, if you pay your money, you you have every right to boo the team. But my point was, well, is it really deserved after they've had a run which has been so good and also under club, well, it's a new project, it's always going to take some time. What is a reaction like that deserved? Um, I don't think so, no. Um, I think, uh, like you say, I think people have the right to do, to do whatever they want and to, to express their... Uh, disappointment or frustration or concern in any way, um, but I, d- I don't think it. Um, I don't think it was deserved. But to be honest, I don't. I don't think it makes too much of a difference either way. I think footballers know what the game is about. Mm-hmm. They know that being booed is a possibility. They know they've not played as, as well as they could have done. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they'll be thinking, oh, "Oh no!" All of a sudden, the fans aren't on our side. I think they know the fans. Are on their side, and they they appreciate good performances, and they appreciate effort. Um, and I just don't think that the, some of the some groups of the fans quite saw that, and so they chose to express that by booing. Which 
I don't think he's too bad. I think the the, the players all um, sort of just get on with it, really. Yeah, we can fair club well. Powell was asked about it in his press conference and said, "Is it a bit harsh after four get four wins in a row?" And to be fair to Powell, he said, "Well, that I, they can understand the frustration because, to be honest, we felt the same frustration about our own performance because it had been so good and it and it was so and it was so poor." So, like you say, um, Powell said he could understand it, and like you say, I'm sure the players would be able to understand it as well. I just don't think it think it helps all that much. Some fans were saying that the boos were aimed at the referee, Martin Atkinson, um, for two pretty contentious decisions. Now, I'm not sure whether you've seen the instance back yet, mm-hmm. but there were two that were quite... which came very quickly and, also, and were the key moments of the game where Ibora first had a header ruled out for a push and then Ndidi obviously gets straight a second yellow card for, for diving. Um, I mean, I don't think... Have you seen those instances just as yet? No. Yeah, well, two... I don't think the boos were aimed at Martin Atkinson. They were maybe at the full time whistle, some of them were, but the ones at half time weren't. But I think it would be a bit harsh to boo him as well because, to be honest, I think he got both of them right. Um, There's definitely a little push there from Ibora. So you would argue that happens all the time at set plays. Maybe Ibora was unfortunate to get spotted, but it was a foul. And Ndidi went down far too easily. And when you're already on a yellow, you can't you can't do that. I think um, it's a risk, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and. I don't know. I think even the Leicester fans won't like to see that because they don't want to see diving, do they? No, no. I think it's one of those things that that winds fans up, particularly when opposition players do it. So, I think to see your own player do it, you you sort of hope it sort of goes away quickly and that they don't do it again. Yeah, and um, looking at trying to work out why that performance wasn't quite as um, as good as one at Southampton, something that. W- was asked about in the build-up to the game was that they disrupted travel plans from Southampton. So at the end of Southampton, they were supposed, the team was supposed to get a plane from Southampton back to East Midlands Airport, but due to issues with with bookings, um, they weren't able to do that, and they were, and they were stranded and had to get a replacement bu- bus back to East Midlands. The pl- players didn't get back till like on half three in the morning, really early hours. Then back in for training at nine a.m. the following, well, a few hours time. After playing on the Wednesday night, and then you're playing, you don't get back to the early hours of Thursday morning, then you're playing lunchtime on a Saturday. Crystal Palace, meanwhile, are tucked up in bed at that time, 20, 24 hours after a home game. Do you think that that is, would have had an effect on those players? Puel tried to play it down in the build-up. Do, do you think that could have had an effect on the, on the performance? Uh, definitely, I think probably, and Powell mentioned this today. Perhaps more so physically than than the, the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and the, and the tiredness and uh, when you've got such a, a quick turnaround and you have disruption as well, I think there's you don't get the chance to prepare mentally for mm. the the upcoming game. Uh, and I think if you don't get that time to prepare, you can't get in the the right headspace. And then if your opponents can then it seems like there's a, there's a massive difference. So I think it, it it will have played a part, and I think perhaps the game's starting to to build up. The, I know this is the the start of the the busy schedule, but we've, there's been a, yeah, it's what ten games in thirty five days, isn't it? Run yeah, but we've had it, we've had a couple of weeks um, of two games a week. They had the, the Tottenham and Burnley in the same week a, a couple of weeks ago. So maybe a, a few weeks of having two games a week. It's starting to, to catch up with players. Um. Fans, fans sometimes say, "Will say, you're talking about tiredness. 
they're professional footballers. They're meant to play games of football. How can they be tired? All they do is play football. I mean, that I always find that quite a simplistic way of saying it because tiredness doesn't just mean tiredness in the sense that oh I'm, I'm too tired to do this. It's that very small margin between yeah. being at your very peak yeah. of performance and then a slight drop off, whether it be a five percent drop off. That's enough in a tight division like the Premier League to make a visible difference. It's not just tiredness for tiredness' sake. We're saying. Yeah, and I think as well you you want the players to come off the pitch feeling tired. You want to with that Southampton game mm. as fans, you would have been disappointed if the players came off the pitch and they weren't sort of huffing and puffing because they're not they're not putting yeah. all the effort that they could have done. So you always want the players to to put in the maximum amount of effort that they can expend on a on a fixture. But that sometimes that might have a, an effect on the next fixture. But that's that's not something you can bear in mind when Leicester are playing Southampton. They can't be thinking about you know players running around on the pitch. They can't be thinking, oh, I need to I need to start saving my legs for for Paris yeah. because th- then that's then Southampton will get back into the game. So I think it's it's just one of those things that comes with with playing so much Premier League football. Yes, and part of this huge this really hectic schedule. Now we face well, Leicester face the really. Um, imposing task of trying to find a way of beating Manchester City and to find a way into this Carabao Cup semi-finals. Having watched games of Man City on the television and watching them play at, at Leicester earlier in the season, how on earth do you stop that team? Um, well, as, as Puel, I mean, the easy answer is you can't. But. Yes, and well, Puel said with great difficulty, and I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with him. Um, obviously, the only game that they've they've dropped points in the, in the Premier League is the game where they had a man sent off. So that would be handy if they had a man well, sent off. Well, it would have been handy had company been sent off in the league match. Yes, definitely. And I think that's maybe that's the key area. I think Leicester did very well for the first half an hour uh, in that defeat. I think after that, Man City controlled the ball uh, extremely well, and Leicester didn't get near it, and mm. they sort of wore them down and were able to get the two goals. Um, but yes, that that quick start, the the pace of Vardy against um, company in particular, uh, is the only weakness I can see, and the only area Leicester could exploit. And Leicester only had one chance to to exploit it, and the decision didn't go their way. Um, and so it's, I think there there is something to exploit there, but it's it's also getting the midfielders in a position where they can play that that pass and hope that Fernandinho is not in the way or whatever. Um, so it. It is extremely difficult to beat them, um, but we might see some changes. I was going to say, I was just about to say, so Puel has been asked a lot about it in, in his press conference, and was he's made it quite clear that he believes Man City are at this moment in time the best team in Europe, and watching them play, it's difficult to argue against that. Playing something football that we haven't really ever seen uh, in the Premier League, or not in recent times, anyway. How, if say Guardiola decides to change six, seven, eight players, are the players that he can bring in are they still able to play that level of football that Guardiola has been playing with his first strength team? Does there is their strength in depth so much that whoever he picks are, are still going to play that level of football and be that difficult to beat? Uh, I think. <clears throat> I think the key players in that regard um, 
I would say I would say yes, they they can keep up that level of performance, unless it's unless De Bruyne and Silva don't start. Uh, David Silva, uh, sorry, um, I think they're so key to to, yeah. to how well they play that if they don't start, then that's when you'll see a difference. And also perhaps if Edison doesn't start, I thought you know Leicester tried to exploit the the space in behind um, when Man City came to the King Power uh, last month. But every single time, Edison was really quick off his line and, mm, and yeah. was able to clear it. And his and his he was really good with his footwork, and he never looked under pressure. Every time Vardy tried to close him down, he didn't look hurried or anything like that. Um, if Claudio Bravo plays, which he has been doing in in the cup games, that could be a, a big bonus for Leicester because Bravo won't be as quick off his line. He's he's a he doesn't seem quite as confident in that in that mm. part of his game as Edison is. Um, and so the, that might be something for, for Leicester to exploit there. But I think, in terms of, I don't know, Raheem Sterling might not play and Bernardo Silva might play. Um, you know, there's there's so many players, you know, yeah. whether it's going to be Aguero, Jesus, both, or whatever. I think there's there's plenty of there's plenty of players there. Though. Kyle Walker might not play, Danilo might play. They're, I mean, they're still brilliant players. I don't think it makes too much of a difference. No. One thing that might work in Leicester's favour the ball. Yes, <laughs> that might be that might be the one thing that comes to their to their aid. Um, considering that Man City score for fun, um, after then their last game in the competition, they drew nil nil with Wolves and won on penalties. Guardiola wasn't very happy with the mitre ball, to the extent that the Football League then had to release a statement to say, "Hang on a minute, these balls are fine. Yeah, they are reg- they're checked and to regulations and stuff. The football's a football." It, can Leicester at all cling on to that as any sort of hope, or is Guardiola just making excuses for a poor performance? Um, well, I mean, what were his Elizabeth, reasons? Th- what were his, what his, was- he, well, he said it was too light um, and impossible to score with, um, which is ha- it's handy when you don't score for the first time in ages that you can just blame the blame the football. But I think the the lightness of it, and I think Yaya Torre reiterated that as well that. Because it was because it was lighter than perhaps Premier League balls are, or certainly it felt lighter to them. It didn't swerve as as it usually does, and it maybe it didn't feel quite the same. Um, it'll be interesting to find out, and we we don't know whether they'll have changed the balls that they've been training with to try and get used to it. Mm. Uh, Manchester City, given Guardiola's now made that complaint. But certainly Leicester don't seem to have had any trouble. They've scored 11. No, Islam Slomani doesn't really... Uh, is it nine goals? Yeah, nine goals, sorry. They've, Leicester have scored in their, their three games um, in the competition so far. Yeah, and Islam Slomani, top of the top of the scoring charts in the competition. So, yeah, Leicester don't seem to have had that much trouble. So hopefully it's impossible for Manchester to score <laughs> yeah. the ball. It's easy for Leicester to score them. It's fine. Leicester are going to win. They're into the semi-finals. All good. It's brilliant. It's fine. Excellent. Um, what is interesting, though, and obviously what we'll talk about his, in his press conference and what he was asked about was what team does he pick? Because for once, it's, it's, this one's a little bit, it's a bit tricky. Because in the previous rounds, under previous managers, Leicester have picked what you would say is a is a second string side from front to back. Um, the players that hadn't been playing in the Premier League come in, likes of Ben Hamer, likes of Islam Slomani. They come in and they play against... Granted, they're playing against Liverpool, but teams like Leeds and Sheffield United. Now, Puel's got the chance to get or try and get through to semi-final 
and then get to a final in which he probably thinks that he deserved to win last season under Southampton on the back of a defeat for the first team but amid a very hectic festive schedule where minutes in legs start to take their toll how what kind of team is he going to put forward I think it's, really, it's quite interesting. Yes, and he Puel suggested at the press conference that he would pick the strongest players of the moment. I mean, um, those players of the moment can't be Matthew James and can't be Robert Hood. Yes, yes, They are exactly. still out with... Um, well, they're, they're training, but they're still way off being able to be picked for matches. And, of course, Wolford Ndidi is serving a suspension for his silly dive um, against Palace. But other than that, the strongest players of the moment. Yes, and I think it's... So, Given Ndidi's suspension, I think we can safely say it will be a bore and king in the middle. Um, but beyond that, it it is difficult to predict. I think. I, I think I understand what he says. He, I think he's tried to to word it in a way that he can get away with both playing his first team and perhaps some second string or those that would be, that have been considered second string. Um, so I expect. The likes, I think, the likes of Amate and Dragovic, who have played yeah. consistently in this competition, I think we will see them because I think we've seen um, Puel give some game time to those players in the under in under twenty threes competitions, and I think it's in preparation for this. He's always said he wanted to give players game times in those um, under twenty three games so that they were ready for when when they needed to be. I think if he. I think he's he's done that to be ready for this sort of game. Um, so I think we'll see them. But th- since Puel's come in, the, the lines have blurred slightly as to mm. who's a first-team player and who's a, a second-team player. Yeah, because if- under, like, or even under Ranieri, then under Shakespeare, um, it's been very much your bog-standard front-to-back, the usual lineup that you would see. But now, now we're in the middle of that hectic fes- uh, fixture schedule... Puel has talked all the time about rotating. We've seen that front four mix and match. Albrighton coming in, Gray coming in, Okazaki coming in, uh, Mara's in the hole, Gray in the hole. I mean, Vardy's been basically the only. Vardy and Mara's have been the mainstays of that, but there's chop, lots of chopping and changing going around. So it's not just a cut and dry first and second team anymore. No, because you would say over recent, over the past sort of 12, 18 months that. Chilwell and Gray are dead certs for playing in Carabao Cup games because they are, you know, Gray was the, always the backup to Albright and yeah. Chilwell was always the backup to Fuchs. That's not that's not the case anymore. Uh, and those two in particular have been playing pretty regularly and they're the ones that have um, benefited from Puel's uh, team selections. So, yeah, it, it is really interesting. I think Leicester have plenty of options up front, mm. which makes me think that some of those will play and Vardy won't. So, the, obviously, there's... Okazaki, Ianacho, Ujoa, Slimani, Musa. You pick yeah. up any of those. Um, I would say probably more. I think we will see Okazaki given that he didn't start um, against Palace. Um, I think Slimani and Musa's absence from yes. recent squads suggests well, they may Moussa not be involved. Is the development squad's finest. Yeah. He plays for them quite a bit. Slimani is the is the interesting one because he is the Carabao Cup's top scorer at this current moment in time, has done brilliantly in that. So you would, under normal circumstances, would would say, you'd stick him in, you carry on going. But he hasn't been even a part of the Premier League, of the matchday squad for the last three games, I think, three, maybe four, I think three. Even in a game where 
Pearl's talking about rotating and using all of his squads. Slomani is still nowhere to be seen. Mm. Is he is he a shoe in for Man City, or are we not going to see him? Uh, I, I I don't think so. I, I mean, he was asked about it and, and, yeah, and didn't really and give much of an answer. No, yeah, Puel was asked about whether Slomani would play a part, and we we're no close to to finding out an answer. I think Ujoa's recent prominence could perhaps signal that he, he'll play some parts. He's he's had a couple of substitute appearances over the the past couple of weeks, um, so he may get some more game time. We know about Ianacho. Uh, he's he's not really played, but he's been he has been playing in the, in the cup games. But it'd be nice to actually because Inacho's come in and struggled to really nail down a place. A lot of much of that is to do with not only injury, but he's never really been had a chance to to play in his right position. He's played yeah. in the kind of Okazaki role. He's been played out wide. He's never really been given the chance to play where Vardy does essentially on like on the on the shoulder of the last defender. Scoring goals and getting into those positions where he can score goals and add to his what is already an impressive goal record or what was a good record for Man City. So maybe this is a chance against his former club to play in his position. Yeah, exactly. And I think because because he has been in the Premier League, he's, he's played with Vardy, so he has to drop deeper. In the Carabao Cup, he's played with Slomani, who's usually yep. the most advanced. If he plays with Okazaki or Ujoa, you would say that those are the two that are likely to to play in the more withdrawn role. Okazaki is that, that defensive forward, that's the Okazaki role, and Ujoa is a target man. So yeah, we'll give Ianacho a chance to to get in behind, to, to play on the last defender, which is the position we know he's good at because that's what we saw mm. at Manchester City. He does seem to have that knack of knowing where to go inside the box and making the right runs. It'd be interesting to see if then he's found by Leicester City's attacking midfielders and wide men. I think if Mares plays, I think then he might he might get some joy out of that. But if if Gray and Albrighton play, I'm not sure they they play the right type of balls to three and actually to to show his qualities. But certainly that would be that would be interesting, and I think it would perhaps help him playing against defenders that he's played against before, and obviously played against in training um, regularly for Manchester City, and that that might help him a little bit as well. Yeah, hopefully. And because if we don't see either Slomani or Ianacho, that is. 55 million quid's worth of talent not included um, and also would then raise questions Somali especially raise questions about his future um, at the club so um, just to finish let's have some score predictions which is always nice to do <laughs> can what score prediction please Jordan can you see any way of Leicester City reaching the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup and keeping up their hopes of reaching European football via that piece of silverware. Uh, no, I think the game will be. <laughs> uh, I think the game will be fairly Call similar to now. the league game. I think Leicester will probably do okay for the first half an hour and will be fairly solid at the back. Uh, may have a, a, a few forays forward. At that point, I think Manchester City's quality will tell, and they'll probably grab a couple of goals. So I'll say two 0 uh, again. Oh, I mean, I'll I'll give I'll give Leicester a bit more credit than that. <laughs> And say that Leicester are going to lose 2-1 or draw 2-2 and win it on penalties. That would do. That would do. Right. Um, thank That's enough for uh, this edition of Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. Please check back um, with us uh, tomorrow where we'll have a live blog of the game uh, from the King Power Stadium. And um, hopefully Leicester City will be in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup uh, by the end of tomorrow. 
Um, and we shall see you soon. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 21,50 per maand met de iPhone SE 32 gigabyte. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.